All right, all right. Good morning, Cabot. How are we doing today? We doing good? All right. You guys look good out there. Why don't you tell your neighbor they look good today? Come on. Now turn to your second choice and tell your second choice that they look good today, all right? Sometimes we're just second choices. It's just part of life, all right? Well, it's good to see you guys. It's great to be here with you on this 4th of July weekend. And, um, you know, seeing Pastor Rick, it just makes me think about how thankful I am and my family. I'm sure you're the same way. I'm so thankful that Pastor Rick and Michelle, they said yes to the call when God called them here 18 years ago. They were in Louisiana. They'd been there their whole life. It was a big deal to leave there. Uh, For us, it doesn't seem like a big deal to leave the decrepit state of Louisiana to come to the promised land of Arkansas. But for them, they thought it was a big deal at the time. So I'm really thankful that they made that step. I'm thankful also that Pastor Rick and Michelle, they have the vision to have New Life Church campuses all over the state of Arkansas. And I'm really thankful they decided to have one in Cabot, Arkansas. And uh, I'm also thankful my friends, James and Cody Bennett. Uh, We've been friends for a long time now, uh, for close to, I don't don't know, 14, 15 years, something like that. I'm losing count. And, uh, but they are really close friends of mine. I'm so glad they are here. They are your pastors. Some of the best people I know. I'm glad they're away getting some rest. Will you give it up for your pastors, James and Cody? Come on. Well, I'm glad you're in church today. This was God's plan for you to be here today. I also believe maybe there were some other people that should have been here today, but they didn't say yes. You said yes, and you are here, so you're a step ahead. And I believe not only was it His plan for you to be here today, but I, I believe it was His plan for you to actually take another step today. I believe that God's going to speak to every single one of you today about a step you need to take in your walk with Him. I don't know what that step is. But he does, and I believe he's going to speak to you today because he has a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says that I know the plans that I have for you. They're plans not to harm you, but to prosper you with a great hope and a future for you. God has a great future planned out for you. He's always had the best in store for you. I know some of you, you're like, I need to hear from him. Like, I need to know the plan he has for me. I mean, some of you, you need to know, you know, you're thinking about, should I change careers? Is this a point in my life I'm supposed to change? Are we supposed to move houses? Um, You know, some of you in here, maybe you're younger and you're thinking, where am I supposed to go to college? You're thinking about big decisions. Some of you married, you're thinking about, should I have kids? Others of you are thinking, should I trade in my kids for other kids? I mean, we don't do that. But but seriously, you've got big decisions to make. And you want to know what God's plan is. Well, here's what I want to tell you is Here's what's most important is, is knowing the one who makes the plans. And if we will listen in to the one who makes the plans, and we will focus in on him, I I believe that he's going to let you know, if you don't already know. Some of you already know what God's been calling you to. I believe he's going to show that to you today. And uh, I I just want to pray before we dive into the Word. We're getting it into a parable. I'm excited about this parable. And uh, I will tell you, I'm not going to apologize to you. Ahead of time, it's kind of a, a tough parable. The end of it is it's pretty straightforward, and uh, sometimes it's hard to hear, um, but we need to hear the Word. Anybody believe we need to hear the Word of God? And uh, it's the Word. It's not my opinion. It's the Word. And so we're going to dive into it today, but I want to pray before we get into it. Lord, I thank you right now for your Word. I thank you for the truth in your Word. I thank you for the grace that's in your Word. I've needed the grace. You know how much I've needed your grace. I also know sometimes the best grace I get is to hear your truth. 
And so I just pray right now that every single person in this room, they would open up their hearts and minds to receive what you have for them. And we pray this right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so look, we're going to jump into a parable today that this is actually the last teaching that Christ did before he gave himself up to be crucified. Very last teaching that he ever did. He actually told three parables in this last teaching. All three parables had to do with the end times. He was making sure that we live with the end in mind. Too many times I've not lived with the end in mind, and he wants to make sure that we live with the end in mind. This teaching, it actually took place on the Mount of Olives. They call this his Olivet Discourse, these three parables. My wife and I, we actually got to go to Israel this past winter, and we got to go to Jerusalem. It was one of the best trips of our lives. If you, I hope you get the opportunity to do that sometime in your life. It was a bucket list deal for me to go there. And uh, we happened to be there on Valentine's Day. And uh, being that I love my wife so much, and I'm just such a romantic guy, I wanted to bless her on Valentine's Day. Like, I hooked her up. Like, I went and got a chauffeur for the day so I would, could chauffeur her around on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem on Valentine's Day. I want you to check out our chauffeur right here. There he is. That's Kojak. Kojak was our chauffeur for the day. It was kind of a bumpy ride. He's got a lot of humps. Um, but anyway, just kidding. But we did. It was pretty cool to be there. It was a great day. You can see uh, the Dome of the Rock there in the back. We're right in the heart of Jerusalem, the Kidron Valley down below. This is right where Jesus did his last teaching. The Garden of Gethsemane is just below this hill. So many amazing sights. But let's do this. I want to get into the word that, that he taught here, this middle parable. It's called the parable of the talent. Some call it the parable of the bags of gold. We're going to go verse by verse. So let's just dive in right now. Verse 14 says this. It says, again... The reason it's said again is because it was the second parable. The second time he's reminding them, look, you got to live with the end in mind. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and he entrusted his wealth to them. So when I look at this and see that he entrusted his wealth to them, I'm like going, he decided to bless them. How many of you feel blessed in here this morning? Okay, like a few of you. That was awesome. How many of you feel blessed in here this morning? Come on. There you go. I mean, look, we are blessed. I, I don't know about you, but like I woke up this morning uh, sleeping in a nice comfy bed. The AC was on. I mean, some of you in here, you're like me. Like you have a room in your house. This is how blessed we are, some of us. You got a room in your house dedicated to your clothes. You have a closet that your, that your clothes live there. That's how blessed you are. They get to live in there all by themselves, all right? Look, you walked into the, the kitchen this morning to get something to eat. Like, you opened up the pantry, and you had choices on what you wanted to eat today. Like, that's, that's being blessed. Like, you walked in there, and, I mean, you're looking up, and there's, there's some Lucky Charms and some Cocoa Puffs, all right? And, like, which one did you choose? I want to take a vote right now. Where are the Lucky Charms people in the house? Come on, Lucky Charms. Cocoa Puffs. All you people addicted to chocolate. People so addicted to chocolate. But we are blessed, and I want to tell you what, these three guys, we're about to read about how God really blessed them. In verse 15, look at this. It says, to one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. You ought to underline it, each according to his ability. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Then he went on his journey. You know, I know what some people are thinking, because some people, this is just the way you think. You're like, well, this isn't fair. 
Like, it's not fair. Why did one guy get five, another one got two, and the other one got one? That poor guy just got one. Well, I just want to tell you what, life's not fair sometimes. Like, you, you don't win every time. Like, there's winners and there's losers. I, I don't believe in participation trophies. All right? I'm just not part of that. People that believe in participation trophies, their kid comes in last place. That's, what, that's who wants participation trophies. All right? I, just, I want my son to realize you win or you lose. Sometimes you lose, son. That's just the way, it's just the way it happens in life. And I want to tell you what, there's going to be a judgment day, and God's not going to be handing out participation trophies. It's either you're going to win or you're going to lose. But for some of you, you're like, man, that doesn't seem fair. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Our God is a fair and a just God. There's actually only one time, actually only one time in the Word I've seen that He really wasn't fair. And that's when Jesus Christ took the punishment for you and me. That's the only time I've seen Him not be fair. He took the punishment for you and me. Anybody thankful that He wasn't fair in that moment, okay? I want to tell you what He is, though. He's always a good God. He is a good God, and He wants to bless us. I mean, let, let's look at this situation right here. These bags of gold, this is called a talent of gold that they were given. A talent of gold is a million dollars. So one guy got five million, one got two million, and then the other guy got a million. Now, anybody ready to be the low man on the totem pole? Look, I'll take a million. Somebody walks in here today and gives me a million dollars, I'm going to be breakdancing up here. I'm going to be moonwalking all over this stage. It's going to be a good day. I'm going to get my million dollars and I'm going to pay my tithes. I'm going to give 100000 back to God and just thank you, God, for blessing me. I'm going to pay Uncle Sam my taxes because we just got to, got to go by the laws of the land. We live in this great country. I'd probably give a little bit extra probably to the Dream Center, some things we're doing. And then we're going to have a party at the Bates House because somebody just blessed me with a million dollars. That's what we're going to be doing up at the Bates House. But, you know, you look at this right here and it says... He blessed them according to his ability. God knows what we can handle. He knows exactly what we can handle. He knew who could handle the five. He knew who could handle the two. Like he, he had an idea on what they could handle because sometimes you see people in life, they can't handle what they get, right? They get all this stuff comes their way and they can't handle it. Anybody remember Mike Tyson? He was one of the most famous boxers who ever lived. Mike Tyson made $300 million in his boxing career. And guess where Mike Tyson is today? Unfortunately for him, he is bankrupt today. Like, he lost it all. Like, he was bankrupt. Like, he couldn't handle it. Like, this dude was so unwise with his money. He bought a $2 million bathtub. Like, what? How do you buy a $2 million bathtub? And men, he's a man. Men don't take baths. We take showers. Like, don't, men, don't, don't tell anybody if you're taking baths. I see one lady over there elbowing her husband. Like, we take showers. God knows what you can handle. All right, let's keep going. In verse 16, you're going to see that the man who had received five bags of gold, that he went at once. I, I think you should circle the two words at once there in your notes. Like, at once. Like with a sense of urgency, he put his money to work. He gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold came, and he got two more. Like with a sense of urgency. Like when I think of urgency, like desperation, I think about those people, you know, on Black Friday, right? Those people, they, they see about that TV, that, that $399 70-inch HD TV that they know is going to look good hanging over the fireplace. They get there at 3 in the morning. If you try to cut in line, they will, like, throat punch you. And as soon as the doors open, they're going to trample everybody to get what they want. Like, this is what these guys did. Like, they immediately, like, <laughs> no grass grew under their feet. At once, 
they went to work. But the third guy, he went a different route. Verse 18, it says, But the man who had received one bag, he went off, he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. How unfortunate. Unfortunately, I don't know about you guys, I've been there before. Like I, I've been in times in my life where I, I was this guy. I was this guy at times in my life. God had blessed me with certain things. He'd given me certain opportunities to help people, and I just said no. And I, I didn't do it, and it was like I was burying my talent, burying that opportunity in the ground just like this guy did right here. And here's what's so important for us to know is in verse 19 that we all got to understand this, and this is the point of the story that, that Christ is trying to make, that after a long time, the master of those servants, he returned, and he settled accounts with them. He's trying to make the point, letting them know, look, I'm coming back one day. I'm about to give my life for you, but then I'm, I'm coming back. Like, you're going to have to give account for your life. Like, one day we're going to stand before a righteous God, He's a loving God, but a righteous God. And I believe we're going to be asked two questions. I believe the two questions are going to be, number one is, what did you do with my son Jesus? His death, burial, and resurrection. Like, what did you do about it? Did you believe in him? Did you tell people about him? Like, how, how did you live your life for my son Jesus? And then secondly, it's going to be, what did you do with the things that I gave you? Like, all the talents that I gave to you, the financial blessings I gave you, all the opportunities to help people, like what did you do that? I believe we're going to stand and have to give account for that. And in verse 20 through 23, we see that take place right here. It says, The man who had received five bags of gold, he brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, this is good right here. He replied, well done, thy good and faithful servant, exclamation point. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Like he couldn't wait to tell him, well done. I'm going to tell you what, our God wants to tell us well done. Like he wants us to share in his happiness. He not only wants us to have joy here and be happy here, but he wants us to, all of eternity to be happy with him. And then let's see what he says to the one with two. He says, the man with two bags of gold, he also came and master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. And his master replied exactly the same. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. I love the fact the guy that got two and he multiplied it, he doubled it. Got the same as the guy that got five and doubled it. Like we have a good God that is, he's a just God in both cases. And the same thing actually happened in the third case. In verse 24, we see, Then the man who had received one bag of gold came, Master, he said, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So I was afraid... And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. The guy wasted it. He went and hid it in the ground. He did nothing with it. 
And I want to look at it and see for you and I, how does this apply to our life? How do we make sure that we don't waste the blessings, that we don't waste the opportunities that God has given to us? I want to look at the three ways that this guy's that he honestly just blew it and wasted his opportunities. The first reason that this happened, the very first reason this happened is that he had the wrong view of God. I believe there's times we can have the wrong view of God, and it causes us to miss out on doing something great for God. I believe there's times we just don't recognize God for who He is. Like, we don't, we don't see Him through the right lenses. You know, it happens to us in everyday life, right? You see people in certain contexts, certain contexts and certain places. Like, you see them for one thing, but then you see them somewhere else, and you're like, wow, they lose, everything's completely different about them, right? Like, for example, you, you saw Pastor Jarrett up here on stage. I mean, he looks so good and put together and just communicated so clearly. Like, you see him here like this, but then you've sometimes not seen him on Saturday morning at Walmart. Like, I saw him on Saturday morning at Walmart the other day, and this is what he looked like right here. This is Pastor Jarrett, right? See? He looks different than what you saw up here, all right? Look, Pastor James, it's the same thing. Like, you, Pastor James, he works out all the time. He's always looking so good. You see him here. But here's what Pastor James looks like at Walmart. There's Pastor James, all right? He's always great. Some of you caught that. Some of you not old enough, you didn't get it. But here's what I want to tell you is, the guy with the million dollars, he had the wrong view of God. He, he didn't see God through the same lenses that the guy that got five and two did. No, he had a completely different view of God. Uh, let's reread this again. Let's look it over. It says, Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. Like, I don't get that. Like, what, what's hard about this? Like, he gave you a million dollars. Somebody gives me a million dollars. I don't call him a hard man. I call him my new best friend. Like, come on. But you know, we don't know what had gone on in this guy's life, in his upbringing. You know, our upbringing and things that happen early in our life, a lot of times they shape us later in life. Like, I think about my wife. She was raised in a, in a very, very legalistic background. And um, it shaped her view of God, honestly. She always thought God was this mean God, just waiting on her to mess up and, like, just pounce her over the head. And um, it took a while. It took some, some real change for her to get some freedom to get over that and get past that. Praise God she is because she didn't see God the way, actually the way Jesus saw him. Jesus was the one that made it the clearest to us. Listen to what Jesus said about the Father. Listen to what he said about Father God. Actually, 175 times in the Bible this is said just like this. It says, Abba, Father. He said, everything is possible for you. Abba, Father, translated in the Greek, it is Daddy, Daddy. Like he just saw him, he was like, Daddy, Daddy, I, I know everything's possible for you. Because he truly knew who the Father was. I know some of you, like my wife had, had a struggle there for a long time seeing God the right way. Some of you have a struggle seeing God the right way, maybe because of a father wound, maybe because... The way that your father treated you. You take this, this view of the way your earthly father treated you and you project it on the view of father in heaven. You're like, my father, my earthly father, he left us. He abandoned us. Well, I want to tell you what, your heavenly father will never leave you or forsake you. The word says it. 
Some of you are like, well, my father, he was around, but he was like totally apathetic to us. Like he, he was there in body, but he wasn't there emotionally or spiritually. Like he never paid attention to us. He never told us he loved us. Like I never, I never heard that. I'm going to tell you what, your earthly father knows everything about you. He says that you are wonderfully, beautifully made. He knows the number of hairs on your head. Some of you, that's a quick count because you're shiny on top. But he still knows. Like, he still knows that. Some of you, you're like, well, my dad, he was there, and he, he hurt us. He hurt us with his words. He hurt us. He whipped us like crazy. He beat us. He was abusive. That's who my father was. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Your heavenly father had his son Jesus take the abuse for you so you wouldn't have to take it. That's who your God is. He loves you so much and wants you to know that he is daddy, daddy. And he loves you and he cares for you. If we can just get that right, I don't think we'll miss out on the blessing and putting it to use for him. The second thing that we, we can't let happen like this guy did is we cannot let fear control us. I think we can all agree that at times fear controls us, right? Have you ever had a time where fear controlled you? It caused you to make a poor decision because you were focused in on this fear. Well, this is exactly where this guy was at. Let's look at, at verse 24 again. Let's, let's read this. It says, Then the man, the man who had received one bag of gold came, Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid. He was afraid. He was fearful. And because he was afraid... Because he was fearful, he made a, a poor judgment, and he went out, and he hid the gold in the ground. And he said, see, here is what belongs to you. His fear of God, it caused him to make this poor decision. And we've just talked a lot about this, how sometimes people can get this unhealthy fear of God. I think there is a healthy fear of God, but then there also can be an unhealthy fear I tell you what, there's also another type of, of fear that I struggle with from time to time. And I'm doing much better at it now, but I still have to keep an eye on it. And that's called the fear of man. Sometimes we get afraid of what are other people going to think about us. Like God is calling us to do something. Like we know that God is calling us to do something. But then we think, when I do this, what, what are people going to think? Like what are my friends going to think? Um, what, what are the people I work with? Like, what are they going to think? And it causes us to not step out and do what God's asking us to do. And, and in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, it says, The fear of man, it will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. If we can just get in our mind, and this is what I constantly remember, is that my God is for me. If my God is for me, who can be against me? That he's going to go before us. He's going to make a way when we step out in faith, when he calls us to do that. And he's going to have our back. He's going to surround us like he is with us. And that we, can't, we shouldn't be afraid. The third thing, the final way that we see this guy miss out on taking the step that, that he wanted him to do like the other two guys is he's procrastinating. And sometimes we procrastinate. And unfortunately for this guy... There was a big cost to him procrastinating. Sometimes for us, there's been big costs for us procrastinating. In Matthew 25, verse 26, the very next verse, it says, His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. Man, that's pretty straightforward. 
You know, I know that God is just saying, He's just letting us know, like, look, I, I want you to not procrastinate. I don't want you to be lazy. I don't want you to miss out on using what I've given you. Like, I need you to do something. Like, remember that at once at the beginning? Like, I want you to do it at once. Look, there's been times where I knew I needed to do things, and I didn't do it. And it cost me because I procrastinated. Now, I'm going to use a, an example here. Um, you know, there's been times in my life, not right now, but there's been times where I knew, like, you know, I put on a few pounds. I probably need to go on a diet. Probably need to lose a little bit of weight. I don't know if any of you ever thought that before, but I, I remember that, that this, I've had times like this. And, you know, you, you wake up and you think, you know, I need to lose a little weight. And uh, it's Wednesday, and you're like, wait a minute. I can't start a diet on Wednesday. You don't start diets on Wednesday. You start diets on Monday. So I'm going to wait and start my diet next Monday. So what do you do? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, like you eat everything you can. On Sunday, you eat two desserts. Like I got to have something to actually lose when I start this diet on Monday morning. You wake up on Monday morning, you look at the calendar, you're like, wait a minute, it's Monday, November the 15th. Thanksgiving's next week. I got all those Christmas parties and then Christmas family, Christmas gatherings. Like I can't start a diet this time of year. Everybody, everybody starts diets on January 1st. That's it. I'm going to wait. I'm going to start my diet on January the 1st. January the 1st rolls around, and you're like, wait a minute. January 1st is on a Thursday. I can't start a diet on Thursday. I'll, I'll start it Monday, January 4th. That's what I'll do. That's how we do so many times in life, right? And y'all know that's so true. But we do stuff like that on more serious items. And there's been times where we just missed out based on procrastination. I want you to write this down. I read this, this statement. I loved it. It says, Procrastination is assassination of a really great future that God has for you. I'm going to say it again. Procrastination is assassination of a really great future that God has for you. I know God has great plans for you. We've read this earlier. I believe He also, part of that plan is He wants you to do something today. I don't know what that is. For some of you, honestly, it may be that you've had a hidden sin. Well, you thought it was hidden, but God knows. Nothing's hidden from God. And He's just here today going, hey, it's time. Come on, it's time to, to give it up. Just confess it to me. I can't wait to forgive you. I can't wait to pour out some grace on you. And you need to ask Him for forgiveness. Maybe you need to get some accountability from a friend and you need to turn and go the other way. Maybe you need to pick up the phone today and you've got some bitterness in your heart and you need to call a friend and just say, look, I, I need to apologize. I've been mad. I've been bitter at you and I need to ask you to forgive me. Maybe you need to call and make something right with a relative. Uh, maybe, maybe you've given your heart to Christ and God's been asking you to go public. To not be ashamed of him because he's definitely not ashamed of you and wants you to go public and be water baptized. Maybe that's your step. Maybe you've never got involved here. Maybe you're, you're coming to church here. You love God with all your heart, but you've yet to, to get connected here, get plugged in, to, to be discipled and to have friends to hold you accountable. And you need to get in a life group or maybe you need to get in a serve group or maybe there's a serve opportunity around that you know about that like you need to take that step and get involved in that serve opportunity maybe in your workplace, out in your community that God is calling you to something. Maybe he's calling you to start tithing. Maybe you've, you've always just kind of held your, your money tight and you're like, God, this is mine. And you need to say, look, God, I, I'm going to start living like this is yours because it really is yours. It's just on loan from you. 
and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say thanks, and I'm going to tithe, and I'm going to give back to you. I don't know what God's asking you to do, but I believe He's asking everybody, if you will search your hearts today, that He's asking you to take a step. It's easy to convince ourselves that we can do it later. I can do it tomorrow. I can do it next week. But God wants you to do it today. Because delayed obedience is immediate disobedience. All right? I want you to get that. Delayed obedience is immediate disobedience. I remember my kids, I would ask them to, to like clean their room because we were having guests coming over. And, and they wouldn't do it. And then the guests would show up. And I was like, you were supposed to clean your room. Well, I thought we had more time, Daddy. Well, it's too late. You know, there's going to be a time Christ is going to come back. And it's going to feel like it's too late, right? Like time, time flies. Like I think about the fact... I think about my kids. I just—it's hard to believe that they were. I remember they were—they were so little, and a little toddlers, and they used to crawl up in my lap, and all the things that I used to do with them, and some of the things I wanted to do with them that honestly I missed out on. And now I realize, like it's some of these things, it's too late. Caitlin, she's she just graduated with her bachelor's degree. She's about to go to grad school. She's about to be out of the house for good. I think she's going to be out of the house for good. I mean. Time will tell. Um, but, I mean, my son, is he's about to be a, a senior in high school. I'm about to be an empty nester. Like, I just realized, wow, time flies. And I look at the end of this story. And this, is, this is tough to read, but this is the Word of God. Verse 28, 29, and 30 to end this parable. Listen to what, Je- listen to what Jesus said at the end of this parable. He says, so take the bag of gold from him. Talking about the one with one. And give it to the one who has ten bags now. For whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have, will be taken from them. And throw, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness. Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Obviously, you know, you can't based salvation on this on this one scripture. I'm not definitely not making that point at all. But he, here's what this is saying is, is that sometimes God gives us things and He wants us to use them. And if we don't use them, we might lose them. He, he might say, hey, I'll give that to somebody else. Like I, I might give it to somebody else that's actually going to do something with it because look, I'm focused on one thing. And that's the world hearing about my son Jesus and helping out people. And showing them that I love them. That my son died for them. And he's all about getting the word out because he is a good God. And a loving God. And so here's what we got to, back to the very beginning when I mentioned this earlier on. We're going to stand before him. There's going to be two questions. And that is this. What do we do with Jesus? And then also, what do we do with the opportunities that he presented us with? What are we going to do with the opportunities that maybe present themselves to us this afternoon and tomorrow? Like, how are we going to handle these? So I want to ask you right now to go ahead and bow your heads all over this room. And uh, I just believe without a doubt that the Lord is speaking to everybody in this room. And just like the, the Scripture said, just like this parable said, like at once, like right now, God wants us to act Maybe you need to write it down right now. Maybe you need to commit right now and just write down, I know this is what God wants me to do. And I'm, I'm going gonna, 
I'm going to put it down on this piece of paper. You're gonna, maybe you're going to need to tell somebody. Maybe at least you need to tell God, God, this is what I'm going to do. I know you're speaking to me. I know in that still small voice. I hear you, Lord. I'm going to do it. I'm going to act. I know you're a good God. I know you love me. I'm not going to let fear control me. I'm not going to let fear stop me. Lord, I'm not procrastinating right here today. I'm going to act. I pray you make that decision all over this room. And then also with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I believe there's some of you in here right now that the action step the Lord is asking you to make is to admit you're not right with Him. To repent and say, Lord, I need you as my Lord and Savior. And you need to rededicate your heart to Him or maybe give your heart to Him for the very first time. And if that's you, between me, you, and God, I want to ask you to raise your hand. I want to see who you are in this room. Raise it up. I got you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, several. A whole bunch back there. Three, four, five right there. Anybody else? Yes, I got you. See you back over in here too. A couple more back there in the back. I got you. Most importantly, God sees you. I just want to ask everybody in the room, let's just all pray along with these folks right here. It's a good prayer for all of us to pray, but especially those that are who want to give your life to Christ. God, I need you. Let's all say this together. God, I need you. Thank you that you gave your life for me. Thank you that you went to the cross for me, for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I make you Lord. I make you Savior of my life. I live for you all the days of my life. Thank you for saving me. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.